I'm going to pray for us. Father, thanks so much for this morning. Thanks that we can come once again to your creed, the Apostles' Creed, and that we can uh, yeah, learn more about who you are and uh, the truths that the churches has, church has uh, cherished and held for the past generations. We pray that we would study it, learn it, and come to love you more as a result of it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, so, like um, we said, we're going to try to start every t- every week by reciting the Apostles' Creed together. So, uh, let's read together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Uh, Very cool. So, as you can see, it's in bold. Uh, today we're going to be studying the phrases who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And I think it's, I don't know if Michael planned this out, but it's especially um, appropriate in light of uh, the Christmas season, right? This uh, talks about the Incarnation. And so we have the these two uh, Advent passages that we'll read together and then we'll, as a way of like studying more. But then it, it also makes, it also segue nicely into our study. So, let's see. Kim, can you just read that whole uh, thing on Matthew? Yeah. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to, the, to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And Chow, uh, the one on Luke. Sorry. <laughs> In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. The virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, um, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Je- shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be um, called Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him uh, the throne of his father David. <clears throat> and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, um, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? 
and the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born um, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this, this is the sixth month um, with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. This is the word of God. Thank you. Um, so, so as you guys know, we've been studying through the Apostles' Creed, and uh, I think it's really interesting that they take two lines out of the few lines that they have to summarize the whole Bible, and they take these two lines to really go in depth with the Incarnation, um, the, the importance of the virgin birth, right? And so today we're going to look at what is the significance, why is it so important for the, to the Christian faith that Jesus was born to a virgin. And so if you, if you see the outline, uh, number one, it fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. We're, just gonna, we're not going to read all the passages, so you don't have to be afraid. <laughs> so we're just, we'll just uh, read only a couple. But Alice, can you read um, Alex? Not Alice. Alex, can you read Isaiah chapter 7? Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as shoal or high as heaven. But I has asked that I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, <clears throat> that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Great. Um, so before I go on to, to talk about like what Isaiah, what this chapter is all talking about, um, just really quickly, do you guys know what this means? Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Do you guys know what Sheol is? It means uh, Michael. Yeah, it means great, right? And so uh, basically God is saying like test me or not test me, but like basically ask for a sign that's like really like outlandish. Don't don't feel like you have to um, ask for like something really easy. And so, why is God asking for King Ahaz to give him uh, ask for a sign, right? Um, so basically, what was going on in Isaiah is if you guys remember, uh, let's see. I'm not gonna spend. I don't want to go too much into mm-hmm. this, but um, so there's like kingdom of Israel has been split into two, right? <laughs> And Judah, like Jerusalem, was, I think Jerusalem is there. They were being attacked by Israel and Syria to the east. I don't know if that's true. Um, and basically, King Ahaz, right, he's like all scared. If you read earlier in, chap- in chapter 7, he's getting scared. And so God sends the prophet Isaiah to come to King Ahaz and to comfort him. Right? And he says... Uh, Basically, God is going to protect you. God is going to deliver you. And so, as but King Ahaz, instead of believing that, he started like trying to gain like political power from uh, Assyria. This map, by the way, is like don't trust what this map looks like. But uh, instead of like trusting in God, he tried to like send like envoys and get help from Assyria to like kill these guys. And so. Uh, God was saying, like, uh, no, your faith needs to be in me. Like, ask for a sign, and I will, I'll show you how good I am. I'll show you. And King Ahaz was like, no, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to put God to the test. Um, 
And so God himself says, okay, in that case, I'll give you a sign. I will uh, show you what the sign is. And the sign is going to be that there is going to be a child conceived by a virgin. Now, there's like, there's a lot of like uh, debate about like whether this was fulfilled in Jesus or whatever else. But basically, what's important to realize is that, because um, in one sense, it was fulfilled during King Ahaz's time. But in a deeper sense, um, the God sends Jesus to protect us from the truer enemy, right? Assyria is like only one like type of enemy, but Jesus, like the ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7 comes when Jesus is born by the Virgin Mary, and he saves us from the true enemy, from the true wrath of God, uh, not just like military armies coming toward us, but sin and death. And so do you see how uh, and later on, if you guys go back to um, the, the passage from Matthew, uh, if you read Matthew 1, 23, this is the verse that uh, Matthew alludes to. He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear, child, uh, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Any questions about that Old Testament pro- uh, prophecy? I think one question that I had when I was reading this in the past was like, wait, in the Old Testament it says his name is going to be Emmanuel, and in the New Testament his name is Jesus. So, how does that, how does that make sense? What do you guys think? It's a hard question, I guess. Uh, so basically, some people have said that. Um, that the name Emmanuel is more like a title than a name. Um, the title being God is with us. And if you look down to Isaiah chapter 9, it says, uh, let's see, in verse 6, uh, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And like, those are all titles of Jesus, right? That's not like, Jesus' name wasn't Lord, Wonderful Counselor, or Mighty God Christ, or, right? Like it's, it's just a title. Okay. It also has to do with the fact that for, uh, for modern culture, name just means sound associated with you, mm-hmm. right? Um, but uh, in the ancient world, name means character. You know, uh, means your being. And so, and so uh, 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 the name Emmanuel doesn't just mean that he's sound, that's the sound of his, his um, what we refer to him, but that's his character. His character is God is with us. Um, so significant that Jesus was born a virgin because that's, that was part of the Old Testament prophets, uh, prophecies. Um, let's go on. Uh, number two, it shows Jesus' hypostatic union. This is just a fancy way of saying that he was fully God and fully divine. Um, and Harry talked about this last week, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, I'll just, I'll just like, you, you can see the verses right there, right? Where it talks about how in Matthew and in Luke, the idea that the whole, it's conceived from the whole, Jesus, not it. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, and why is it why is it significant that, that Jesus was both fully divine and fully human? Do you guys remember from last week? Or even if you weren't there last week, do you want to take a stab? Why was it important that Jesus is both fully God and fully man? You guys have heard this phrase? Yes? Am I, am I assuming too much? Okay. Jeff, since you're the only one that's heard of it, <laughs> why do you think it's uh, significant? Why is Jesus fully God and fully man? Mm-hmm. Why is that significant? Mm-hmm. 
from what I've learned is that in the past is that um, that this is how it shows how God relates to us that He came down to our level mm-hmm. and that He lived the perfect life that we should have lived as a man, and yet He did not sin. Yes. <coughs> uh, and that's how He can be a mediator as well. That's perfect. Right, the idea that a mediator has to be someone who like knows both sides, right? He's both man and both God. If he's like God, because of his holiness, there's like this chasm. Uh, but God, but Jesus had to become like man, represent. He was like a representative to God. He became like a man so that he could represent man. And then to man, he became, he was God. I don't know who God is. Um, so that... He was like God's representative to us, right? And so he was, in that sense, a mediator, and it was important that he was both. Um, just other other things, right? The idea that, like, because Jesus became fully man, um, if you know the verse in Hebrews, uh, there's a, there's a, Harry talked about it last week, right? That The idea that Jesus became like us in every respect, and because of that, he can sympathize with our weakness. He can sympathize with our, when we are going through temptations or hardships. God isn't the God who's like this far away from our problems, but he knows it intimately because he came down and lived among us. Any questions about this? Okay. I just want to speak past that. Um, so number one, it fulfills Old Testament prophecies. Number two, it shows how Jesus is both God and man. And number three, it highlights our sinfulness. Uh, let's see. Clarence, can you read Matthew... Uh, one. Oh, wait, can I have a question? Yeah. It says, well, question two, sub point A, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So are you saying that conceived by the Holy Spirit means that he's. Yeah, so you guys see the verses in Matthew and Luke, right? And so basically, what we're saying is that, like, I don't know, this is a baby. <laughs> and, um,. <laughs> And there's like Mary, um, and then like Holy Spirit, right? But it's not like it's not like the Holy Spirit and like Mary, like you know, had intercourse and produced a child. But the idea that because uh, Jesus had both divine and human like origins, he. It was like this, like, awesome. <laughs> He's the magi. Um, and so he was, uh, because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, as we can see um, in those verses, uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the Most High, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Um, Jesus has both natures. I'm sorry, does that answer your question? I just tried to yeah, draw yeah. a question. I, I, I was just asking because you, you, you didn't yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so we talked about why it was important that Jesus was human, right? Because he can uh, sympathize with us, he can know our weakness. Why was it important that Jesus was divine? Any, any guesses? Just don't make eye contact. Am I calling it? Okay. Um, so it was important that Jesus was divine because his death 
otherwise, if it was just about being sinless, can't we just take sinless children and like sacrifice them and be like, oh, okay, our sins are imputed onto this baby? Right? It's not about. It's not just like merely because like uh, there's no sinless children. Yes, yeah, that's, that's debatable. Well, we'll 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 just say that uh, because Jesus was able to. Be, because he was divine, he was able to live a perfect life. He was able to, his death actually uh, could cleanse our sins. He could take our sins onto him, right? Um, yeah, the idea that uh, because he was divine, we know that this is God's character toward us. Uh, and he, in Hebrews, again, I think it says that Jesus was like God the Father in every respect uh, that he has shown himself. And so we, like, sometimes we might think like, oh, we know how Jesus loves us but we don't know how god the father actually feels about us no like because we know that jesus was fully divine we know that that is exactly in line with god's character exactly in line with god's will uh, that he uh, wants to love us and show us his grace and mercy right okay any questions other than michael All right, number three. It highlights our sinfulness. Um, Clarence, can you read the verse? And then I'll just read the first verse from Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And so why was it important that Jesus had to be born uh, by a virgin? Right, because if the idea that like because people were so depraved, because people were so sinful, our savior had to come from our savior had to come from like completely outside of us. It wasn't, it couldn't be a producer. It couldn't be a redeemer that was produced by us or within our own. Uh, by our own strength or by our own willpower it had to come from like totally outside of us and the idea that like right that God had to literally come down himself uh, the idea that we were totally dead in our sins uh, and I think the image that Michael used in the past to describe this was the image of of um, people are just like if, if you imagine a sea with a bunch of like dead corpses bobbing like head head down right uh, the idea that like people uh, God had to come down and literally pick us up and breathe new life into us. The idea that like we were not able to do anything to contribute in any way to our salvation. And so Jesus had to come down. Um, and if it was born of like a woman and a man, then we might begin to think that somehow we had been involved in in the in the act of salvation. But when it's when it's like born of a virgin, we know from start to finish we know that everything was from God and we weren't able to contribute in any way to that does that make sense do you guys see how how depraved we were that God had to come um, any questions Aikman did you say something no did I hear something okay um, the last one, number four, is where I wanted to spend the majority of our time, and so we'll 
spend a little bit more time here. Uh, but basically, we talked about how it, uh, there's Old Testament prophecies that shows who uh, Jesus' nature and uh, shows our sinfulness. But I think most of all, most importantly, it shows God's grace. It shows divine initiative. Right? Um, and basically, what I want to point out is that all why was it important that Jesus was born a virgin? Um, all throughout the Old Testament, whether it was, and we'll read a couple, um, but whether it was with Abraham and Sarah, or Isaac and Rebecca, or Hannah and her husband, uh, I forget his name, um, or Elizabeth and Zechariah, right? All throughout the Old Testament, there are so many cases where women who were barren, women who were who were not able to produce a child, a God gave them a child, and through that child. Um, there was, a, it became part of God's salvation, right? And so the patriarchs or the prophets or um, John the Baptist, the forerunner. And so let's read, um, we'll just read like two of these. Let's see. Aikman, can you read the one from Genesis 25? Yes. 25:21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was buried. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebecca, the wife, conceived. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff, Luke chapter 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. It was the vision of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Oh, I didn't add it in this accidentally, but uh, later on in this story, in Luke chapter 1, that's these are the parents of John the Baptist, right? If you guys remember, Zechariah goes into the Holy of Holies, and an angel appears to Zechariah, and he says, your prayer has been heard, you're going to have a child, his name is going to be John the Baptist, he's going to be great, he's going to be the forerunner to Jesus, he's going to prepare the way. Right? And so, God consistently has used these miraculous births uh, for his salvation. Uh, for like salvation purposes, right? Um, and why is that important? Why is that significant? Uh, because like we said, it shows, oh, and then if you guys remember from uh, the, when we did in our small groups, the study on judges, even there was even some miraculous births there, right? With Samson and how he was a deliverer, a great deliverer for the people of Israel. Yes, not at me. This, this, this rings a bell, yes. Um, so again, the idea that God is the one who takes initiative. He takes initiative that nothing is impossible with God. That even when people weren't uh, seeking Him, especially in the case of Samson, right? Even when people weren't uh, trying to like, even looking for a deliverer, that God is the one who acts decisively. And if you look at, if you read the passages that we read, the Advent passages in Matthew one and Luke one. Um, Mary isn't like praying, oh God, let me let me have a child while I'm a virgin. Let me, I don't know, like whatever, right? Like God, uh, the angel appears to her and says, you're going to have a child and you will name his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Uh, the idea that God takes initiative, he acts decisively. Uh, he's gentle in it, but he's, he's not basically waiting for people to come around before he starts saving people. Right, and I think that it's been, again, like what we said in light of uh, Christmas and the Incarnation, why is it still significant that God came down? 
Right? And it's significant because God was the one taking initiative. We weren't like praying or waiting for him. We were running away from him. Uh, but God sends Jesus. Uh, and nothing is impossible with God. Uh, so, well, before God, any questions about this? The idea that, that this somehow shows God's initiative? Why that's so important? So you're saying that Mary's miraculous birth was the ultimate miraculous birth mm-hmm. that uh, every other woman before her in the, bind, in the redemptive history was barren. She was a virgin, so it's like a miracle of all miracles. Yeah, I guess we could even say, like, in some ways, that those miraculous births in the Old Testament were somehow pointers to um, how the the true Savior, the true um, Messiah, would come about. Um, that all the miraculous births in the past, um, that they weren't able to solve the real problem of sin and death and the curse of the fall. And so those were those things were all like foreshadows of the ultimate uh, miraculous birth, which was in Jesus. And I think that's um, really significant. Again, right, the idea that God uh, comes in—he, I guess, he could have used ordinary means, but the idea that in order to highlight how great of a salvation it is, how impossible it was without His initiative, that He took like these really. Um, extraordinary ways of revealing himself, of coming down, and even in the way he left, right? Uh, we'll talk more about that in, I think in, the, com- in the coming weeks. Um, so, a question that I was reading as I was like studying and prepping for this is, how important is it to believe in the virgin birth? If you don't believe in the virgin birth, can you still be considered a Christian? What do you guys think? Do you guys, does anybody here, well, first of all, I should say, is anybody here, like, have a problem with believing in the virgin birth? The idea that it's impossible? Okay, I guess I don't want to shame people <laughs> in an Asian culture. But uh, we, we talked earlier about in the Old Testament how all of those were impossible births, right? Sarah born at, uh, giving birth at 99, conceiving. That's kind of impossible. Um, uh, as I was studying, one of the things that came mm-hmm. up was uh, the reason why it's so important to believe in the virgin birth is because, first of all, there's there's like two reasons. Um, for, I'll give you the negative reason first. The negative reason is that if if that wasn't true, then the Bible, there are things in the Bible that we can't believe, right? Um, that means that Mary, her whole life, had been trying to like conceal a lie. She pretended to like have this like. Because uh, like some one of the rumors out there is that uh, Mary was actually um, impregnated by a Roman soldier, and so basically in order to con- conceal that, she started worshiping her baby to make it make it seem like she was actually uh, had had a virgin birth. And so the negative reason is that um, it would totally uh, throw the whole question, the whole integrity of the Bible into question, right? Uh, what in the Bible can you believe and what can't you believe? How are you going to parse it out? And then the positive reason is that um, if the positive reason is that by when we believe this, the miraculous nature of both the entry and the exit of the Savior, it only highlights again what we were saying about how how good God is, how mighty He is to save, how uh, powerful He is, how um, gracious He is even. 
<laughs> You're looking at me with a quizzical stare. Is there something that you don't understand, Chow? Oh, me? Uh-huh. Um, very well explained. <laughs> Alright. Any, any questions or comments? Everybody understands the, the preciousness, that why we cherish the Incarnation so much, why we celebrate it every year? You guys, your faces are so lit up. I can... It's about Santa Claus. I'm getting, getting this. Um, alrighty. Well, in that case, Michael, did you have any other thoughts? Okay. Well, in that case, we'll uh, end this time with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he came down and lived among us even while we were dead in our sins and uh, even while we were running away from you. And we pray that as we continue to meditate on this in the coming weeks in light of the Christmas season, that our hearts would begin to soar with love, begin to soar with just delight and love uh, for you, that we would really come to appreciate and understand the depths of, of our sinfulness and the depths of your love and grace and mercy toward us. I would pray that as we go into the service that we would be able to worship you rightly and that we would hear with good hearts. Praise and Christ's name. Amen. Yeah.